millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello, you're very welcome to The Tonight Show. Will vaccines mean the end of restrictions and social distancing? We'll hear from the World Health Organization as Ireland opens up amid warnings to curb socialising and avoid large crowds. How do we stay safe to guarantee a Christmas with our loved ones? On our first panel tonight is Fianna Foyle TD, Mark McSharry and Dr Nina Burns. And as gyms, hairdressers and cinemas reopen, some retailers are offering 24-hour opening times. So who's buying what? Virgin Media News reporter Paul Quinn is live from Dundrum Town Centre in Dublin. And can business owners make up the Level 5 shortfall in the coming weeks? And will they face January closures? Do get in touch. As always, our Twitter hashtag is TonightVMTV. aware by now I'm sure non-essential retail is open again and Virgin Media news reporter Paul Quinn has been out and about all day and is live for us now from Dundrum Town Centre here in Dublin. Paul, good evening to you. You have been out and about uh, for over 12 hours. Tell me, what's the atmosphere been like? Yeah, Kira. I think uh, today there's been a real sense of excitement, a lot of anticipation, and I think a, a lot of relief among retailers that they're finally uh, able to get back open for shoppers. They were just happy to be back out spending, whether that be on the high street or in shopping centres, and just to get a bit of retail therapy, to get back into the shop, to be able to pick up those items and have a look uh, after six months of closure. Now, here at Dundrum Town Centre, there's been a steady flow of shoppers throughout the day, and I think uh, that's what we're hearing uh, right across the board that it's steady, not spectacular. It hasn't been any mad rush or mad panic. And I think that's what retailers are really happy about as well. Uh, there was concern, I suppose, around large crowds or pent-up demand, but everything has been manageable. Now, here at Dundrum, one of the big retailers, Pennies, they are staying open right throughout the night until tomorrow night, almost 40 hours, they're staying open. We'll be hearing from shoppers about their experience, those in the business community, on how they feel that the first day under Level 3 has gone. And we'll also be hearing from the Restaurants Association of Ireland ahead of their reopening this Friday. Thanks for that, Paul. Uh, Paul is going to be coming back to us later this evening from Dundrum. We're joined now on Skype by Margaret Ann Harris of the World Health Organization. Margaret, it's been a really significant day here in Ireland because we came out of our Level 5 restrictions after six weeks. We're back down now to Level 3. But given our numbers here, I'm wondering if you'd have any concerns about us easing our restrictions. Good evening, Kira. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, everybody has earned the right to feel, to celebrate the success so far, but celebrate by being careful, if that makes any sense. Uh, so, 
when the government's ears restrictions, this is the trickiest time because the desire is to go out there and, and do all the things you've been missing out on for the last six weeks. But what you really need to keep in mind is the three C's. Avoid crowded situations, avoid close physical contact, and avoid being in closed settings with poor ventilation. And if you can't avoid those, make sure you do all the other things to protect yourself, like wear the mask, wash the hands, and I mean, I just said avoid crowding, but try to keep the physical distance even if you find yourself indoors. So this is about thinking it through all the time while being aware that you have done well Keep on keeping on. So it sounds, Margaret, like it's really about personal responsibility at this point. Well, certainly all the way through this, this is really where things have worked is where individuals, communities have understood the need to be your own risk manager. Uh, of course, we need authorities to help us with the rules, to help set to explain what works, what works in your society. But in the end, it's up to each and every one of us. And I truly believe we're going to get through this because I'm seeing in every country that people are getting this. They do understand it is up to each and one of every, every one of us. And you mentioned the authorities there. So I'm wondering what else governments could do between now and I think it's January 6th when this particular uh, episode is going to come to an end and I presume they're going to review the numbers at that point. What can the government do to ensure that we don't see a third surge of cases here in Ireland and the lockdown that inevitably follows? There's a lot that can be done. Uh, for instance, ensuring that the testing, tracing and tracking is very, very available. Unfortunately, you still will see people who become ill. Ensure that they are supported. If they're quarantined at home, make sure they can truly do that quarantine. Make sure you find every contact around those people. Also provide good information, which your government is doing very well. Your websites, the information from your health department is very good. But make sure that people can see, uh, work out where the transmission is intense and know what they need to do. And if there are problems with that, Listen to the people and try to modify it if it's appropriate. I just want to move on to uh, vaccinations and the COVID-19 vaccine. We've heard from the European Medicines Agency today that they're going to meet to conclude their assessments on the uh, Pfizer vaccine by December 29th at the very latest. So in your opinion, when do you think realistically we can expect the first rollout and I suppose the final rollout uh, of vaccines? So what you describe, the meeting and the assessment of the data, this is critical. So these studies, we've, we've seen the preliminary results. These studies have indicated high level of protectiveness. We, but we also need to go very carefully through the safety data and make sure that everything is exactly as it should be before we start rolling this out into the general public. And you must appreciate the enormous amount of work that the agencies must do now at an incredibly fast pace. Normally, this would take months. And we're hearing here in Ireland and I know across Europe as well, that there is a certain level of hesitancy about the safety and the efficacy of this vaccine. How can governments tackle that? 
Well, I think one of the important things is this work that the regulatory authorities are doing right now and going short through and, and ensuring that all the safety data is looked through properly. The other important thing to understand is one of the reasons that the groups were able to do a lot of this research very quickly is much of the study had been done before. So the one thing that has slowed things down is ensuring that the safety aspects of the studies have been factored in and really made a very important part of that. People should always ask questions. They should ask questions about any intervention. But this one, there is an extremely, an excellent level of effort to ensure safety. Now, we will continue to follow populations through. And after the vaccinations rolled out, we will continue to look at the safety. And if there are any signals at all, we will change what's going on. But at this stage, the critical thing is protecting those who are at a very high risk of getting a severe illness and dying from this virus. As we, as we know, far too many people are dying from this virus. And that's what we should have in mind having a protection from that terrible, terrible outcome. Because we've been told, even though it looks like there will be vaccines, that doesn't mean zero COVID. So when do you think, given that fact, that we might get back to, and I hate to use it, normal, whatever normal is now? I think next year will be the year when we get on top of this and we, as, as humanity, can see what we've achieved. And we've achieved extraordinary things. We've risen to a challenge that none of us have seen in our lifetime and in previous lifetimes. So we have really risen to this challenge. And next year is a year where we will begin to see ourselves with our technology and with the work we're putting in all together getting on top of it. But we will still need to do the tracking and tracing. We still will need to maintain the hand hygiene. Keep your mask with you. Wear it when you cannot avoid those crowds. Doing all those things will up the protection levels while that vaccine is being distributed. But we will not see it fully through societies, or we do not expect to see it fully through societies until at, at earliest the end of next year. We'll have to leave it there. But as always, uh, Margaret Ann Harris, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure speaking with you. We're joined now on the panel by Fianna Fáil TD Mark McSharry and Dr Nina Burns. You're both very welcome to the programme. I want to start with you, um, Doctor, because I think there was a real sense, wasn't there, that this vaccine or the multiple vaccines we have on the table now, you know, they were the great white hope. You know, people were incredibly optimistic. And yet I'm noting in the last couple of days a real sense of caution around uh, the vaccines. Do you agree? Do you feel that too? Well, I still think there's a huge amount to be optimistic about. I mean, it's incredible if you think, you know, this time last year we didn't even know about the virus and we've come to having several vaccinations on the table and um, three very close to being released. That, that is incredible progress in science. Um, but obviously we can't just all say the vaccine's coming and therefore we can all sit back and avoid all the other stuff. It's still the most important thing we can do is wash our hands, wear a mask and keep our distance, you know, and, and that can't be said enough. And interesting to hear Dr. Harris say there that many of us will still be doing that right up until the end of next year. I think that'll scare people a little. Another 12 months 
of this? Yeah, you see, the thing is, I, th I think maybe what people are hearing is, OK, so there will be some vaccinations in December. We have to remember that the logistics of rolling out this vaccine is quite complex. If we start with, you know, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which seem to be the first two that will be out. So they really will be most likely, and again, this is all still being planned, but they will most likely go to high-risk people and healthcare workers first. And so then it will trickle down then as the risk reduces. So it's going to take a long time to get everybody vaccinated or at least give everyone the option of being vaccinated. So yeah, unfortunately, we probably are facing this for at least another year. Yeah. I'm gonna have to take a moment, I think, to absorb yeah. that piece of information. Um, in terms of rolling out the vaccine, and look, a vaccine is only as good, I suppose, as a program there to roll it out. What are the potential pitfalls? Well, so again, you know, there's so much we're still learning, but obviously it seems that the, the two vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, the logistics with them is that it's the storage required. So for Pfizer, we understand that for the most part, it needs to be stored at about minus 80 or so degrees. The Moderna, <coughs> I think it's about minus 20. And they can be brought to normal storage. So the, the fridge in a GP surgery stores vaccines between two and eight degrees. And both of those can be left at that temperature for a short period of time. But my understanding is the Pfizer one is only 48 hours. The Moderna one might be a few days. So the logistics, if they're talking GP, getting those into a, a GP surgery, storing them correctly and getting them out to people will be difficult. Um, so it would seem, and again, we haven't heard any of this, but it would seem that if we're using those vaccines, that a mass vaccination centre would be the most likely place that has to, goes, has to go. Um, but then we're looking at the AstraZeneca one, which seems to be able to store it more realistically in a, in a GP surgery. So GPs may be able to, to provide those vaccines. And in terms of rolling out the vaccine, who do you think should be responsible for administering it? So I guess it's, it's not who do I think. I think the most important thing is that this vaccine programme is extremely well project managed. And I think it's really, really important that they get it right from the outset. We're going to get one chance to do this vaccination programme properly. Um, so I think they really need to think through every single step. And unfortunately, with other vaccination campaigns, sometimes in an urge, in an urge to get them out, etc., that we have maybe not done it quite as well as we could. And I think if we're going to do any vaccination campaign, it has to be this one. So I think GPs are really, really good at giving vaccines. You know, if, if it was a case of that the vaccine could be go through normal cold chain and be stored two to eight degrees, we, GPs are used to giving vaccines. We give all the childhood vaccines. We give the bulk of flu vaccines. We're very good at doing that. But I, I think it's going to be a little bit more complicated. And GPs, I've no doubt, will play a role, but I don't think we'll be the only ones doing it. Uh, Mark, are TDs being kept abreast of the rollout programme? Well, it's, it's, it's um, obviously going to be a huge undertaking. I mean, we have the, we have the swine flu uh, example, but the government have put together a task force um, with all of the relevant expertise from logistics to, you know, how the best programmes should be rolled out. And uh, we're very hopeful that once, whichever ones are made available to us, uh, that we can do it professionally as quickly as possible, prioritising the most vulnerable and indeed the healthcare workers first. What do you think are the potential obstacles <coughs> at this point? Excuse me. You're all right. um, I think the obstacles are, are, are to get it to us first. Uh, and then once, as Kira has said, as um, Dr. Lena has said, um, you know, there is experienced people all over the country. I mean, our pharmacy is going to be able to do it. Are there going to be large centres in our towns and so on? Um, so I think it can be done. We must get it right. I know there's been calls for a minister for vaccination and so on. Would I think you support that? <laughs> I wouldn't be against it, but obviously we have 15 ministers. Um, they all have relevant portfolios. I think key people should be given the responsibility exclusively for it because we simply cannot get it wrong. So I would support uh, an appropriate, small, experienced team with the relevant expertise uh, to lead that 
and liaise directly with Neffet and the Taoiseach to ensure that it's done efficiently and as quickly as possible. All right, uh, Mark McSherry and Dr Nina Burns are going to be staying with us. And after the break, we'll be asking how we stay safe when we're shopping or socialising in the coming weeks. And later in the programme, we'll be back at Dundrum Town Centre to hear what people are buying in a few months. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're very welcome back. Now, Fianna Fáil TD, Mark McSharry and Dr. Nina Burns are still with us. And just check your all right. Uh, Deputy, you had a frog in your throat there Thank for a second, didn't you? We're, did. we're good to go we're again. All right. Again. I just want to ask you, um, Dr. Nina, are GPs being consulted on the rollout of this vaccine? Um, to my knowledge, no. Now, you know, unless they're consulting with a small number of GPs, but in general, we haven't heard anything about it, no. And are you satisfied, Mark, given what you know about the task force, that GPs aren't actually being consulted when it appears, as Dr Burns would say, you know, they're the most obvious people to oversee the rollout of this? Certainly, if GP organisations were being consulted, it'd be a matter of concern for me. Uh, and I think there's a lot of expertise um, who have international experience of uh, inoculation programmes, such as Jack Lambert, for example. And I think we could use usefully extend our uh, reach um, because, as I said earlier, we simply must get this right. People are depending on it uh, and we want to get through it as quickly as possible. I know the WHO representative you had earlier talking about a full year of, of uh, um, uh, you know, taking, taking necessary precautions. That's fair enough and perhaps it'll lead to a discussion later in the programme in, in terms of... Um, lockdowns and the idea of rolling lockdowns. Well, that's actually what I was going to ask you because given what Dr Harris said, that we are going to be living with some form of COVID-19 until December 2021 for another 12 months, I'm wondering what the government's strategy is at this point for dealing with COVID other than lockdowns and wait for the vaccine to come along? Well, I think from the beginning, everybody has been doing their best. I mean, the frontline professionals in terms of all the work they've been doing, government and so on. I mean, from a personal perspective, uh, I would have liked to have seen us develop a strategy uh, that was more focused on personal responsibility, the need for it and living with COVID. I think the strategy we've followed is one of hope for a vaccine uh, and rolling lockdowns. And I hope 
very much so, that we won't embrace that for the year ahead and during the process of vaccinations. But funny, I was going to ask you, because I think in the last couple of days, the government has sort of absolved itself of responsibility and mm. has very much shifted um, responsibility over to individuals. Yeah. No, no. And, and I think that that's the appropriate thing to do. I mean, I think we must wear our masks, we must wash our hands, we must distance, uh, and we must um, follow those restrictions religiously. What is government's role? Uh, government's role is to provide that, to ensure that that's promoted sufficiently in terms of education campaigns, advertising and so on. And I'm not sure we've got that right from the beginning, uh, because I think there are negatives to the lockdowns uh, in terms of mental health. Our young people in particular have suffered enormously through the period. And while we are all focused on trying to keep everybody safe, particularly the vulnerable, uh, I think that uh, uh, it can be done. Uh, without the necessity for full lockdowns. And certainly if we're looking at a full year uh, before everybody is vaccinated and before everybody is safe, uh, I think that we must up our game as individuals and the government need to promote and support such a strategy rather than opting, for example, in the middle of what January. What do you mean by up our game? I think up our game in terms of developing a strategy and allowing uh, society to function um, through encouraging the appropriate uh, restrictions being followed. Uh, and I think we haven't done that. We haven't invested the level of trust in the public that we could. Um, and as a result, we followed this lockdown period, um, which um, certainly is one way to go. Uh, I'd like to have seen us try uh, some other methods. Indeed, the WHO themselves said that they weren't necessarily in favour of full lockdowns. People like Professor Jack Lambert and other uh, healthcare professionals with a lot of experience would have suggestions. I don't think we were as open to embracing such suggestions through the various lockdowns and preparing for a period uh, where we would um, promote the personal responsibility and trust of people to follow the appropriate guidelines to keep each other safe. I mean, you have brought up at Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meetings, which are obviously extensively uh, leaked every single uh, Wednesday mm. by the Irish Examiner, um, that messaging has not been a strong point of Fianna Fáil since it joined this coalition. Well, definitely, I think that uh, when you look at the opinion polls and uh, while... Um, often politicians, myself included, say there's only one poll that counts. We do look at them and we do reflect on them and must. And uh, we have been consistency down since at 22% of the election. The most recent one, the most recent one at 12, there was another at 17, there was another at 11 at another time. Uh, and of course, it's a matter of concern. I mean, I'm not happy where we are and we need to reflect on that and take the appropriate steps. What in do terms you put of, that down to? In terms of, well, there's a number of different things. I mean, uh, I think there needs to be a period of reflection. And, uh, and I think that uh, we need to be consistent in our approach to things and very simple with our messaging. And obviously, there's been a number of own goals, obviously, since the beginning of this government. Which, uh, which were, um, well, we saw the various resignations that had to take place. Uh, we saw uh, the inconsistency, perhaps, across some of the restrictions, the application of restrictions. Uh, and people are very frustrated at the moment, and rightly so. And we've certainly been bearing the brunt uh, of uh, public dissatisfaction in that, as opposed to Fine Gael or indeed other parties in politics at the moment. Uh, and that is something that we need to address. Can we, recover it? Can we recover it? Well, he's a leader of the party, but we're all responsible. And we all must reflect. Uh, and I think uh, the question is, can it be turned around? Uh, and the answer to that is, yes, it can. I mean, one example, uh, but there are several. One example might be Sinn Féin's local elections were a disaster and people beginning to question uh, Mary Lou Macdonald and so on. They turned it around. They're now the highest in the opinion polls. They had a good general election. So uh, I think we need to focus internally on that. But 
uh, it's not about me, all Martin. It's not about me. It's not even about Fianna Fáil. It's about delivering for the people uh, in the appropriate way. Certainly in parallel, we must reflect inwardly as well uh, and take the appropriate steps to improve our own performance. OK, I just want to move on to what's happening uh, today, Doctor. Uh, the easing of Level 5 restrictions, non-essential retail reopened. You were back in the shops today. What was the experience like? Did you feel safe? Yeah, so this morning, as it turns out, I had to drop my eldest daughter to somewhere in Kilmacud. And so I said I would look online. Dundrum have this app where you can look or their website and you can see if it's busy. Instead, it's quiet. So I sort of went up there and I said, I'll go. And if it's busy, I won't stay. And if it's, you know, if it's OK, I'll come home. I mean, sorry, I'll come home if it's busy. But actually, it was fine. Now, I might have been very lucky. I was there quite early. Um, so... It was great. Got in and out. There were no queues. Everyone was wearing masks. There was plenty of hand sterilizer around. Everyone was um, keeping their distance from people. There was no sense that you were on top of people shopping. Um, so I have to say I was very pleasantly surprised. I had a number of sort of things I had to get. It's a totally different shopping experience. Certainly it's not a grazing experience that you might have done before. It was very much go in, get out, get the things you need and leave. Um, so I think it might change the weekend when the restaurants and coffee shops and stuff open up because obviously none of those were open today. Um, and does that concern you? Well, look, I, I suppose anything we do increases risk. So every time we ease back restrictions, the risk of people catching the virus increases. And, and obviously, the more opportunities we give people to mix indoors, the higher the chance that we will have higher numbers. So I suppose I, I am concerned at what might happen over Christmas. I'd be lying if I said I'm not. Um, and I think, you know, I, there was a, a someone remarked on Twitter today, I thought it was very good. Anyone who's a close contact with someone who has um, COVID after the 11th of December will find themselves restricting their movement for Christmas Day. And so I think people really need to think about their activity in the next two weeks. If they really want a Christmas with friends and family, how they act in the next two weeks could predict that. And it's funny, I saw that uh, tweet myself. I think it was yeah. Stephanie Preisner actually yeah. uh, tweeted that today. And it yeah. did register yeah. very much with me. Yeah. Anybody you meet after December 11th, yeah. if you're a close contact, good luck going home for Christmas, yeah. good luck meeting yeah. other families or friends. And it did make me think, a Doctor, what does that say about the messaging around the next few weeks when I wasn't aware of that? Yeah, I'm, I am a little bit worried at the message that's being sent out. I, I don't think it's very consciously being sent out this way, but no matter what we see when people are talking in the media, and um, particularly politicians, they, they talk about how we're easing the restrictions and that we can all have this time over Christmas, but for two, it'll be two weeks from the 18th that we'll be able to cross county lines, see our family. And that two-week message keeps being said. And I know they mean well by it, but I think what a lot of people are hearing is we can go mad for two weeks and then we'll be locked down again in January. And that really concerns me. The thought of going back to a level five in January is very upsetting. And I think that the level of the impact I've seen on people's mental health in this level five lockdown, although I absolutely know it was essential and it had to happen, I just don't want our numbers to go back where we have to do it again, because I just really worry if we keep releasing and locking down, releasing and locking down. And I would much rather have seen a slower release, maybe just allow us the family and friends. Maybe we didn't need as much, you know, restaurants or hotels open. And I do honestly really feel for the people who run those. I totally understand the economic reasoning behind doing it. But if we had done one and then the other, we could have said, look, let's do this going well. We can do that in January. But what we've done is said you can have everything, but you're probably going to lose it all again in January. And I'm, I am genuinely worried at what people think when they hear that. All right, uh, we have to leave it there. My thanks to Dr Nina Burns and Mark McSharry is staying with us. We're after the break. We'll be going live to Dundrum Town Centre as 24-hour shopping hits some retailers.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Paul Quinn of Virgin Media News is in Dundrum Town Centre in Dublin for us today. Uh, Paul, we are expecting this great rush, all of this pent-up frustration at not being able to shop. So, was it very busy today? Look, here, I think it was busy, but it wasn't um, overly busy. It wasn't like a Black Friday day where you saw huge crowds. And I think retailers will be happy with that. Speaking to a lot of them today, the word that keeps coming back is steady, that the trade was steady and brisk throughout the day. And uh, that's something, as I say, that they are definitely happy about. Now, we did see queues earlier this morning, some queues outside Pennies, some shoppers there in Dublin's Mary Street from 4.30 this morning, uh, a couple of dozen, maybe 40 or 50 people who were queuing uh, they were let in a half an hour earlier. We also had queues at Brown Thomas at Arnott's. But for instance, down in Cork, at the penny store there, there wasn't major queues. Uh, so I think uh, it started off relatively calm this morning. The pace of it definitely uh, picked up throughout the afternoon. And we saw that I was on Grafton Street. I was on Henry Street, O'Connell Street in Dublin today. And there was definitely crowds building as you went throughout the day. But for retailers, uh, it was slow and steady. And that's exactly what they needed. It's different to the to the, uh, the first reopening after the first lockdown, much more measured, much more relaxed. Retailers telling me that people um, were coming in, they had an item they wanted to get, that's what they were coming in for, perhaps less so the browsing. Of course, Penny's uh, shoppers delighted to be back in there as well today. And as you say, you were out right across uh, Dublin today. Did you observe people, you know, social distancing, wearing their masks indoors and outdoors, hand sanitising? Did you feel safe at all times? Yeah, I did. Look, we were in a couple of different uh, big stores today, which were quite busy. We were wearing our masks. Yeah, certainly I felt safe. And I know speaking to shoppers, they also felt safe. And of course, that's a key priority for all of these retailers who are reopening. Safety is such an important part of that. And we saw from uh, the first reopening uh, back in June, where all these measures were already in place around hand sanitising, um, social distancing, uh, a limit on the number of customers in stores at any one time. And you could see that again today where shops were very conscious of that and managing any queues if there were queues there. So I think today when you saw shoppers going back they were well aware of that, they were used to that. The other thing too of course now the latest government advice that people should be wearing masks or the advice is to wear masks in outdoor settings whether that be queuing for shops or whether that be in busy or crowded streets and you could really see more and more people out on the streets of Dublin today were wearing uh, their masks of course inside in shopping centres. Uh, it's 
it's kind of unusual now to, to see somebody without a mask on them, everybody wearing their mask, particularly here in Dundrum this evening. And I think particularly for retailers, what they want now is to ensure that they remain open uh, past this time and that there's no future lockdowns and they know that safety is a key part of that as well. And from what I could see online today, Paul, there seemed to be a real run on Christmas pyjamas. What were shoppers saying to you? What were they out to buy? Yeah, look, there was great excitement today and especially uh, with pennies, it's such an iconic uh, Irish store and it's, you know, where, where everyone goes to buy their pyjamas and every shopper that you ask coming out of pennies today, you know, what did you get? Are you going in it for anything in particular? It literally was the pyjamas that that's what they were going after. Of course, pennies, um, uh, 36 stores reopening right across the country from today and uh, the store here in Dundrum and also in Blanchardstown, they're going to stay uh, open right through tonight, right into tonight tomorrow and um, will close tomorrow night around 40 hours that they'll remain uh, open for uh, here earlier on this evening uh, you know it was quite busy and mustn't forget as well Kira, that Irish shoppers will spend an extra 1.2 billion euro just over Christmas on top of what they'd normally would be spending and that's in shops and also online uh, interesting speaking to some retailers today as well despite the fact that the shops have been open online sales are doing really really well and are still very strong particularly for electrical items but back to the shoppers in store today they were just happy to be out they were happy to be on the high street they were happy to be picking up the items putting it into their bag um, um, as I say, uh, pennies here in Dundrum staying open right through until tomorrow night. Earlier on, we spoke to a couple of shoppers to see how they got on. We were uh, one month waiting for this moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good to be back now, yeah. It's good to be yeah. back. Good to be getting out and about. Strange, yes, yeah, surreal. It seems like a long time ago, but yeah, great to be back. It was great. Loads of shopping done. A jacket and I spent uh, €130. Euro. Sure look. It's only money at the end of the day. Absolutely fantastic. It was. Did you feel safe and everything in very safe and the staff are so nice. It's fine, it was grand, yeah, it was good. It yeah. was nice, it's good to get back to normality, I suppose. Just Christmas stuff. I just wanted to get like jumpers and pajamas. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's just a shop for essentials. There's some things that you can get in pennies that you just can't get online, like, or it's just far more expensive online. And then with the delivery delays because of Black Friday, like, you won't get your stuff for ages. <laughs> Did I pay shopping? Where's it? Uh, long six weeks. Richard Gainey, CEO of Dublin Town, is also in Dundrum for us this evening. Richard, I can hear and see the excitement in uh, the shoppers' voices there. I'm wondering for retailers, you know, 1.2 billion euro, uh, Paul Quinn just said, is going to be spent in the next few weeks. Is that going to be enough to carry them through the quieter months and, and to save them because it's been such a difficult year? They have had a very difficult year um, and certainly Christmas has always accounted for about a third of the annual turnover um, and I think this year it will be a larger amount obviously given the uh, the difficulties they've had during the year. I think look there is a, a degree of optimism, an optimism that may not have been there a number of months ago. Now we know that there are vaccines on the way. Um, and I think that will encourage quite a number of uh, businesses to stay active. Um, so we really are uh, relying on the public uh, this year to uh, shop Irish and, and to uh, support the Irish jobs in retail. Um, you know, it's been a very difficult year and uh, please God we have a good Christmas from it. And we hear that it's been steady all day for most retailers, but we do expect it to get busier. Mm. I'm wondering what role uh, retailers will have in terms of trying to manage queues and manage crowds. 
Yeah, look, it was a very steady day today. Um, and indeed, since uh, we opened in June, we've actually seen that, you know, people are obeying uh, what they, they've been requested to do. And today was no different, you know, in terms of uh, people uh, with their face masks and, and uh, complying with uh, queuing protocols. Um, we do expect it that we'll get uh, busier as time goes on. Um, and, you know, the, the, the stores themselves have taken a lot of precautions and uh, some very sophisticated devices in terms of heat sensing and uh, understanding where people are in stores so that the, the uh, physical distancing can be maintained. And obviously the independent stores uh, have their own numbers as well based on the square footage that they have. So, you know, it, within the city centre we have uh, queuing protocols. We had them in June um, and we, we have them uh, again now. And uh, as, as we were walking around the city, the, there was uh, people out putting the, the queuing signs down so um, look the, the city is ready um, we won't have the kind of footfall that we would have had in previous years we reckon it'll be about two thirds of the, the kind of footfall that we would have had uh, previously but you know, people are shopping on a mission. They they do know what they want, and they're being uh, you know they're they're being very judicious when they get into the stores. So, look, you know, overall, it's it's uh, we're we're glad to be back. Um, I think on Friday when the the cafes and restaurants open again, you know, certainly that will help. Uh, retailers are staying open later into the evening, so you'll have a lot of retailers staying open to about nine o'clock. And I think with the hospitality businesses, people will be able to stop and and have a cup of coffee or grab a bite to eat and there's no the message we have really is plan your journey and uh, there's no need to rush home you know you can take your time and, and ease home gently um, and I think you know people you know they are relaxed um, and sorry to cut across you there I'm just conscious yeah. of time in terms of planning your journey sure. I know you've been calling today for public transport capacity to be increased it's currently at, at 50% but you want it up to 75% and yet you had the MBRU today saying they're concerned about any increase in capacity and how it might affect their members so what do you say to them? Well, look, I think this is a, a, an all-of-city uh, effort. Um, certainly two-thirds of the, the customers that come to Dublin City use public transport, um, so increased capacity on public transport would certainly help us. But everything has to be done in a safe and, and controlled fashion. So, you know, we, 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 we make, need to make sure that people feel safe and that they are safe. Um, but, you know, the, the, the instances we understand in terms of public transport uh, of COVID transmission has been negligible. Um, and I suppose our view would be, uh, if, if it's safe, we certainly would like to see more people being able to use public transport. All right. Uh, thanks, uh, Richard, and to Paul as well. We're going to be going back to Dundrum in a short while. Nafina Foyle's Mark McSharry is still with us, and businesswoman Nora Casey has joined us on the panel as well. Good evening uh, to you, Nora. Uh, we heard a lot there about sort of the big retailers, some of the very well-known brands being very, very busy today, but you've been working with a lot of the smaller retailers who perhaps are just on a village or a town high street. What are their concerns? I would say, what I say to everybody, firstly, I just wanted to say, Richard, um, and listening to Dundrum today, it's not surprising that it's quieter. I must have the nerdiest friends, maybe I don't, but they've all done their Christmas shopping. We, they had six weeks sitting around at home and they've all done, even my mother, who is of a certain age, has given me her online shopping to do. So I think people want to go out and they've got cabin fever and maybe when the restaurants open on Friday, you'll see more people going into town and wanting to have that experience. But I don't know that retail, we've just seen the Arcadia Group collapse um, and Debenhams 
collapsing. If you ever get back to do a bit of shopping in New York, you'll see a whole changed scene for retailers over there with JCPenney, Macy's struggling. So the reality for the retail sector maybe is that consumer spending has changed. Amazon made 90 billion, 90 billion in the second quarter. They're soaring through the roof. They employed 100,000 people last month, 70,000 just announced today. So here I am working with tiny little SMEs, sometimes partners in business and also partners in real life. And I say to everybody out there, the bigger the production values of the advertising you're seeing this Christmas, the less you need to support them. And by the way, Pennies is not an Irish brand and they don't spend a cent on advertising because today they got free advertising all across social media and all across every media outlet. They don't need to. They don't do online shopping. They don't need to. They make billions. Yeah, because they're an incredibly uh, yes. important brand billions. to a lot of Irish people. And SMEs, so as much as we give all of this lip service to SMEs being the backbone of the country, they're the ones who have been the hardest hit throughout all of this. You know, I'm working with a lot of them who are trying to claim the wage subsidy scheme at the moment. Do you know the wage subsidy scheme requires you to prove you have 30% revenue down year on year. If you are 30% revenue down year on year, you're insolvent. So you're almost incentivizing them to furlough their staff because they cannot carry any costs. Then how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to actually emerge in the new year when the vaccine comes, when they haven't got staff on board, particularly critical staff, to try and help them to launch in this new digital age? Most of the SMEs I'm working with are on their knees. I have to say... So just what do being, they need, Nora? What do they want? This they don't want loans. Do? And by the way, you need a PhD in, in form filling in order to get supports. I'm a one woman bandwagon on LinkedIn saying our banks in the second quarter this year were the outlier in Europe in lowering the level of credit we supply to SMEs. At a time when SMEs needed liquidity and credit the most, our banks were the lowest since 2014. Now, they said it's because the government COVID um, credit guarantee scheme didn't come in until September. I don't know. I've been listening to statements from the government since March saying that there's all these schemes in place, but yet they weren't in place till September. Why the delay? And at, at the same time, we're saying you have to be the brightest, the most inventive, the most innovative you possibly can be in your whole life at a time when the whole world has shifted, when there's no revenue coming in. Most of them can't claim wage subsidy support for themselves. They're at home, they've got families, they're worried, they've got mental health issues, they don't know the future of their business. And we require them to be highly strategic, highly focused, highly digitalized, and we provide no support for that. No support for mentorship, no support for helping them to get out of the hole they're in. Mark, Norris out meeting small retailers, SMEs, day in, day out, saying, you know, they're on their knees. Despite what the government says about schemes and supports, there's not sufficient help for them there. Yeah, I'd agree that there isn't sufficient help. But I think we must acknowledge the support that has been there. Now, you said on mentoring there, for example, there was a mentoring grant that was available through each local You know that went after many, about one day? Many, 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 many people that I know uh, gathered it. We've obviously had the wage subsidy scheme. We've obviously had the CRSS uh, and, uh, and, and indeed other supports in terms of the rates waiver, waiver grant and so on. Uh, I'd have preferred to have them open, as I said earlier on, in terms of rather than rolling out. They'd prefer to be open. And there still are anomalies, even with the new level three, with other restrictions that came in today. The CRSS, for example, we're told today, is not going to be available to public houses, for example. And many in Donegal might serve food in the summer, but don't join the winter. There's no tourists around. If they don't open, 
because they can't get the chef or the seasonal staff that are sometimes available to them, they won't get the CRSS. That's an anomaly that needs to change. And the hospitality and retail sector all throughout the country, particularly hospitality, has not been treated fairly. And that is the reality. I mean, we are effectively, and I have an issue with this, saying to some people, we trust you and your customers, but not you and yours. This is your saying, look, at we trust gastropubs, we trust hotels. Absolutely. We don't I, trust wet pubs. Exactly. And I'm sure it may make sense. I mean, if you examine the EY data that was trumpeted over the weekend as the reason for wet pubs and other businesses like bowling alleys and so on not to be open. If you examine that in detail, uh, it doesn't provide empirical evidence. In fact, if you look at the county analysis summary on outbreaks, a public house isn't mentioned once. What is mentioned constantly is private houses, and that's down to our own personal responsibility. So and why you, do Fianna Fáil not do something and if you to allow those pubs? Well, many of us are trying to promote uh, um, alternatives, and we'd certainly do that in the four that are open to us in terms of parliamentary parties and so on. But I'll give you one example that I examined before I come in. Trim and County Mead, there's 11 pubs. In the last lockdown, one served food. What are the people going to do? Okay. 10,000 people. That's going to promote more house parties, more social gatherings and homes, which is where the outbreaks occurred. All right. Uh, Adrian Cummins is the CEO of the Restaurants Association of Ireland. He's also at Dundrum for us this evening. Adrian, you're due to open restaurants, gastropubs, we said there uh, this Friday. I'm wondering what the level of interest uh, among the public is. Uh, good evening, Kira. A huge amount of interest from the consumer, from the public. Uh, the bookings are flowing in at the moment. The reservation diaries are filling up. Uh, the restaurants and gastro bars across the country are waiting with anticipation to welcome our guests in from, the, from Friday. Uh, we want to provide a safe, secure, regulated uh, December. Uh, it'll be a different December compared to last year. Uh, we'll have limited capacity and limited number of diners at, seat, at seats and a limited amount of time they will be in, in uh, the restaurants. So we're ready. We're ready to, to, to go on Friday and we're waiting for our diners to come into our restaurants. And we've been told, Adrian, no office parties, no multiple bookings. I'm wondering how restaurants are going to supervise, are going to manage that. Well, this is about personal responsibility and we in the restaurant industry, want, we want to do the right thing. We want to remain open into the future. We want to remain uh, COVID-free and we want to make sure that our industry is, remains open so that we're there in January and February to provide employment for our industry. So you're correct. Office parties will, will not be prohibited uh, this December, uh, but we want to welcome in small groups of people to socialise in a regulated environment to the maximum of six people per table. That's what we want to do this, this December. And you mentioned there that those bookings are flowing in, that there's a huge amount of interest from the public. I'm wondering, is there an acceptance or a fear even among restaurateurs that this is going to lead to a surge in numbers and an inevitable closure in January? Well, that's a, we're taking it day by day and it's up to the government then to decide what they do. But we are, will um, make sure that we do everything right within public health guidelines. And we want to make sure that we have our doors open into the, into the future, into the January and February, uh, when the vaccine rollout uh, happens in our country. That's where we're looking at, to make our, get our economy back up and running and keep people in gainful employment. That's our, that's our focus throughout the month of December. All right, we'll leave it there. Adrian Cummins, thanks for your time. Thank you. I'm just wondering, Nora, do you think there's been too much focus, actually, on the hospitality sector? 
I published food and wine, so I love the restaurant industry. And by the way, six weeks ago, I booked every single reservation I needed for December for delayed birthdays. You know, somebody that I know very closely who's cancer free now. And um, those guys have been through the toughest of all possible years. And it's one of those areas that the later we give them the notice, the worse it is for them. So I know how hard they've bled. I just sometimes think that the hospitality industry does shout very loud. And of course they should. I would if I were them. Most of the SMEs I'm working with are not in the hospitality sector and, you know, their voices are not heard because they don't have huge, big organisations. They don't have big lobby groups. I would go back to as much as I'd like to stray into the area of the pubs and the gastro pubs. The single biggest issue for me is we have no monitoring of the take up of any of the supports that the government has announced. We don't know how many have been taken up. I have tried my hardest to find out how many people of all of the people I have supported pro bono, Throughout the entire pandemic period, me and lots of other people have provided mentorship pro bono. I have just one who managed to get the Strategic Banking Corporation to sign the ticket and AIB gave the loan and fair dues to them because that business wouldn't have survived. And in fact, because of that loan, not only will it survive, it'll actually increase employment and it will thrive and it'll be successful in years to come. So if we did have Instead of focusing on these issues that are inevitable around the vaccine or further lockdown in January, all of the things that are going to happen, we need to think about next year and the year after, or we're going to decimate our SME sector. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. But my thanks uh, to all of my guests this evening, to Mark McSharry and to Nora Casey. Uh, Matt Cooper will be back with you tomorrow night at a slightly later time of 10.25. And a reminder that The Tonight Show is now available on podcast and you can listen whenever you, or wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Podcasts for now, though. Good night. Stay safe. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. 